Welcome to the Making Laps Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Making Laps Podcast. I am your host, Brent Gleason. Alongside me, as usual, is co-host and brother, Jesse Gleason. Hello, everyone. And with us on the line yet again is Florida Connection, Florida Senator, Phil Jakes. Yeesh. Another webcam video, by the way. Hopefully at the bottom of a shallow grave. <laughs> oh my god. Sounds like he just found god. the guitar in a dumpster. Sounds like he's killing a cat. It's like he found the guitar in a dumpster. And just didn't do anything to it. Cat head. Uh, oh. Jesse quit Ended. that one early. Uh can you play the end of the Darf Common of the Week song for him? I mean, we could. I mean, he really needs to. That was fucking terrible. There you go. <laughs> you should have seen the weird beard. I can't grace that with more than like a 1.6 just for simply the effort. I mean, got the notes wrong. That's not that great an effort. <laughs> there, there were notes in there. He was in like the key of W. There's keys. He was in heavy D. <laughs> Weird beard aside, yeah, that's pretty poor rating. Oh God. Anyway, we usually start our episodes off with not only that, but personal updates. I supposedly have a race on Wednesday. Yay! Supposedly. And yeah, well, the hurricane won't get there until Friday. You forget about other rain that might exist because. <laughs> no. They've been calling for rain for well over a week now. This has been the wettest summer we've ever had. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I'm just kind of looking at my weather forecast here. What's Thompson say here? Wednesday, 98% chance of rain. 98%. I don't know if we can get much higher than that. Today it said 100. <laughs> Tomorrow it there's says There's a 2% 80. doubt. 2%. <laughs> We need the Lloyd Christmas, need, so you're saying there's a chance. There's not a, is there a chance. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 98% chance. Did you swap? We haven't had rain here in like a week. We've had rain for the last like four days. We haven't had rain since the last hurricane. <laughs> That's also fair. <laughs> they're saying, oh yeah, this hurricane shit is hilarious to me because they're like, oh, it's going to hit. It's going to. Cat 3 is going to hit New England directly at Boston and New York and blah, blah, Providence. And also, I'm like, no, it's not. Don't get your hopes up. Like, no, it isn't. It's not going it's to It's going to brush you guys and go up into Nova Scotia like right. they all fucking do. We're going to get... You're going to get a little bit of rain and a little bit of wind. Which is a typical New England thunderstorm. So I'm not exactly worried. But we do need a good uh, breezy hurricanes type whatever gale force something to clear all these dead trees out because they still aren't all gone yet and that's it's literally gonna be on. like a nor'easter yeah that's what we need something like that but anyway supposedly 
I have a race on Wednesday. I've been going through the car, had Joe Brockett come up, help me out, play with some ride heights and some weights, and I'm pretty close to being done. I just got to set caster camber toe and do all the final stuff before we load it up. Hopefully I will uh, have it loaded up Tuesday night because I haven't taken the day off of work on Wednesday yet because I saw the forecast and I'm like, eh, I don't think, you know, maybe I should waste a day off if it's going to rain. Uh, I'd like to hang on to those because I only got like five left for the re- for the rest of the year, or four left or however many it is. So I said, well, I usually get out of work a lot earlier and whenever I typically have a race i always say why did i take the day off today because i usually get home early enough to just hop in the truck and leave if it's already been uh loaded up so i'm like maybe i'll just save the day off this time but i'm sure i'll be out in plenty of time i usually don't even leave for the track until like 2 30 3 o'clock because practice doesn't roll out until four so there's that i guess i'll have plenty of time to get there and barring any sort of real uh what's the word i'm looking for here catastrophe that's it but that's always a possibility when you take 95 to work every day but anyway uh (laughs) i uh been again trying to get working on it it's been way too hot to be working in the shop this past week this week it's fine so i haven't really put any uh videos out there on my youtube channel over it youtube.com slash brent gleason if you're interested in subscribing i do a lot of racing content hopefully this off season i'll do some kind of different fun stuff like uh i'd love to get to work on my dad's truck that i kind of sort of inherited and uh, i'd love to get that going that would be some interesting content and we could finally get that thing back on the road again um that would be fun but yeah, I'm hoping that we made a lot of positive changes this time that hopefully I can actually feel. And uh, I went over the alignment of the car today, figured out that the rear end was not quite straight in it, and we adjusted it to be pretty straight. So hoping that works out, hoping that's actually something that I notice in the setup because, man, I made a lot of changes over the last few, well, years, and still haven't really figured out exactly how to fix the problem, even though I've thrown everything at it I possibly can. So we're working on it, and uh, hopefully it works out. We never know. But we'll see if we even get on the racetrack, because usually when other people make plans to come help me or watch me race, or, you know, they actually get a day off, like Jesse. Yay! Um, I had the week off. This this is one of my two vacation weeks off, and then well, I get to go help brother. Unfortunately, if, Jesse if was... It, Go ahead. Is going not going to rain. I'll be stuck inside. I was going to say, unfortunately, Jesse was supposed to be on vacation in Europe, but uh, that didn't work out. No. Due to a uh, very sudden and temporary illness in the family. So they canceled. They said they're not going to leave someone behind. So that means I have to go during the week of the World Series now, my other vacation week off. Oh, so that's when you rescheduled? And then I'll be going to Ireland, where I'll be practicing the time-old tradition of drinking away my wages, getting drunk, and beating my family. <laughs> I don't know if that part you're going to... Well, I mean... What, what are you going to beat your family at? With drinking. Stick. <laughs> drinking, and or with a stick, or with the back of my hand, paintbrush somebody. Since I don't really have a family, 
I'll just paintbrush somebody else's family. <laughs> Get to practice before you. That's right. I, you just became adopted. Yeah, there you go. Practice before you get the real one. Yeah. Um, it's called so you- Stepdad Simulator. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so usually I got also other people saying, hey, we're going to come watch your race. Hey, we're going to come watch your race. And I'm like, well, now it's going to rain for sure because now everybody else took its time off to come help and come watch and come do this stuff. So, of course, it'll rain, much like it did to me on Friday when I got called up to go help Stafford with uh, their broadcast for Flow Racing. Uh, three out of the four times that they've called me up this year, it's rained. Once it rained while I was at the track. So, uh, funny story. I might as well go into it because I'm not going to mention it in the Stafford rundown because there have isn't one. one. We're going to have a short two-hour show tonight. Just brace yourself. Yeah, very short two-and-a-half-hour show. But anyway... I'm up at Stafford. We got, I mean, it looks bad. You know, we all are watching the radar on our phone because we all have a, you know, an eight ounce computer in our pockets now. And uh, we can see it coming. And I'm watching it and I'm like, well, if it stays like it is, it's not going to hit us, but it's going to get really close. And then a giant cell around Danbury built southeast and it was going northeast. So I'm like, oh, great. So. It comes straight up and just wipes us off the face of the earth. I'm like, okay, that's perfect. So it's I'm in the infield, mind you, and there's two of us in the infield. Uh, one guy's in the tower or in the scaffolding, off in turn three, and I'm just floating around on pit road with the with the uh, handheld. And so there's two heat races get out. I think it's both the limited late models got heat races, and uh, luckily nothing happened, so no big deal. And Late models had their first heat race go out, and I'm looking over the the horizon, and I'm like, hell is on its way. And no sooner did the race go green. I think they might have made a lap or two, but that was it because it started raining in turn one. Stafford was super quick on pulling the trigger with the yellow. They got those guys put back on pit road very quickly, and uh, pretty much every camera operator started panicking because we have very expensive equipment in our hands and uh, we don't get paid a lot to do what we do so we're not we're, <laughs> we're not gonna be responsible for this stuff. So I run to the scoreboard where I have my pa- uh, the pack or the bag or whatever you want to call it and I get the, the camera put in the bag even though it doesn't fit and I get my raincoat out because I brought my backpack with me. Luckily I was thinking ahead. And I said, okay, well, I don't want to leave this thing in the bag out in the open. I had a trash bag. I kind of wrapped that around it. And it's starting to get harder. And I'm like, there's nowhere to hide here. Where the hell am I going to go? You know, so I see what's behind me but a porta potty. Now, people usually get grossed out by that. But I'm like, look, Stafford cleans these out every week. And I guarantee you, no one's been in this one yet. Because it's in the infield. (laughs) So I just haul ass and get there because it's a roof over my head. And I get the bag in there and I'm standing there with like the door open. It's clean. I'm like, whatever, it's fine. When the Monaco Ford infield trucks come rolling up next to me. And I don't know any of the infield crew guys names or nothing, but two of them pop out and they're like, 
you are not going to shelter that storm in there. And I said, well, that's all I got. And they're like, we got an empty seat in the truck. Get in. <laughs> I'm like, you mean a brand new Ford pickup truck with air conditioning and a comfy seat? Sold. Grab the camera, run to the truck, throw it in the back seat, and we take off. And so they, they go rolling around, and we're BSing, and uh, they go into the pits, and I hop out then and basically meander around for five minutes, and then they say, all right, bring it all back to the trailer or whatever. And I'm on the opposite end of pit road. Luckily, the rain had kind of slowed down or stopped by then. I haul it back to the trailer. We unpack, grab a drink, settle in, wait for the rain to stop, and it pretty much doesn't. I mean, it's about... 8 o'clock. I mean, we're sitting there for hours waiting for this thing to end, and it just doesn't. And so they made the tough choice to cancel, which sucks because everybody had already gotten there, and that just is the worst. Uh, I believe their Twitter or whatever uh, moniker says, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes it rains. So, yeah. But anyway, yeah, that kind of stinks, but at least I was able to get home kind of early. And, uh, yeah, so we don't have any Stafford updates this week, but that was my week, weekend, personal updates, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if I have to haul the trailer up to Thompson and sit in the rain for however long, or if it actually takes off towards the end of the day. Who knows? I'm not a meteorologist, so. Unlike Phil, who had a busy week. Yeah. I had a busy weekend. I didn't really get a lot done during the week, but uh, Fair. yesterday and uh, Saturday spent uh, time in the garage pretty much all day, both days, um, getting the car finished, welded up, uh, got everything sanded up, disassembled the front suspension so I could clean it up better there and painted everything so it kind of looks nicer. Um so now the car is actually ready to start going back together and hopefully by next weekend it'll be ready to go to uh daniel webster's and uh get the body on it that's pretty awesome but i saw it all painted up today it looks pretty sweet yeah it's amazing what a coat of paint can do to an old car um it's a 30 year old chassis so (laughs) things seen better days for sure it's still like a 5 out of 10 up close. It's not great, but it looks pretty good from a distance. So it's a 20-footer. All it's got to do is look good from the stands. Which no one's going to see under the body. Well, hopefully not. <laughs> you hope. Yeah. I, I pulled. Mean, I did that earlier this year, but uh, eh, whatever. I've seen... The, the 07 of Tyler Schofield ripped the whole nose off his car one night, started back from the tail of the field, come back and won. Hmm. I mean, that's Maybe not he should have just run a modified. I mean, it didn't overheat, did he? <laughs> no, he had plenty of airflow. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. So what do you got? Line, do you, are you still on uh, schedule for whatever you wanted to do next, or...? I think the next race I'm going to do is Freedom Factory, and that's October 28th. So I got plenty of time right now to get the car back together. Um, maybe go run a race at New Smyrna to shake the car back down if it gets done in time. But as it is right now, I've got seven weeks. So mm. it's not too bad. 
Yeah. I want it to look really good for that race anyway. That's going to have a big audience. Um, I'm going to have a brand new paint scheme on the car and a different number. So I'm not telling anybody right now. Nobody really knows what's going on. So this is going to be entertaining. I already know. <laughs> so, yeah, there's anybody that. Anybody that's followed my racing quote-unquote career, because it really isn't much of one, um, knows my inspiration and, and why I race. And I'm going to honor that person. Perfect. Anyway. All right, so, yeah, like I said, I don't know what I'm doing in the future, but uh, i got to make a choice by the end of the season, and I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do with the late model or the street stock. I don't have any clue. I uh, just I have no word on what schedules are going to be out. I have no idea what tracks are going to be running. So it's like I'd love to have it pared down to one car because moving two cars around right now kind of sucks. <laughs> Because I don't have That's a lot of room. Be my life. Yeah, because I don't have a lot of room. But um, I would like to figure it out soon. That would be nice. So anyway, why don't we? Are you going to do a waffle or a raffle? I'm not going to do either. <laughs> Waffles are for eating. They act <laughs> like they act like nobody's going to know. It's, oh, the feds aren't going to know what we're doing, even though we're saying we're selling tickets. We're doing a waffle. Shut up. It's so stupid. But they are genius if you want to get a specific amount of money for your car because if you sell all those tickets, you will. And then you can just lie and say you sold it <laughs> or gave it away. <laughs> anyway, why don't we move on over to the uh, – Just do you have any updates, by the way? I already gave it. Oh, right. Fair enough. We can move on over to the second segment of the show, the much-anticipated and much-beloved second segment of the show. Jesus, I can't speak. It is the Darf comment of the week. Perfect. To be completely honest with you, we don't really have a specific Darf comment of the week this week, but... Phil kind of came up with a suggestion, and I was like more than pleased with just going along with it. At the Kansas Cups <laughs> Cup Series race, there was a very, very minor pit road incident between teammates Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott where they came off of pit road, and there was Tyler Reddick to the outside, then Chase Elliott, then Kyle Larson, and then coming out of his pit stall was Brad Keselowski, where it was essentially far wide, and nobody was giving anything, and Kyle Larson was just trying to give Brad a little bit of grace so that he could get around that one car in front of him. I forget who it was, but it was a yellow car. And Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson made a little bit of contact. Obviously, with these cars, contact doesn't mean as much as it used to anymore. But Chase Elliott took offense to his own teammate bumping into him very mildly because he is a child and um, not exactly as good as people may expect him to be, maybe. Although I should have said that. Well, I said the quiet part out loud there. But I think the worst part of all of it is Chase Elliott fans. Now, Chase Elliott fans are the worst kind of race fans. They are the kind of race fans who will go to a local short track and watch just the modifieds and then go home. 
Um, I said that out loud, too. Again, you're not really a true race fan if you go watch one person or one specific uh, division or one type of car and then go home. A good race fan supports all of them. Now, if it's like a loved one or something and you're not super into racing and you just go to watch that specific person, that's different. But that's not millions of people, okay? Or thousands of people, at least at a short track level. So I'm watching this NASCAR on NBC post that says their teammates, Chase Elliott, was very happy with Kyle Larson and they show the video. And there's comments just ridiculous. I mean, I'm going through it and it's like, this guy right here, Tyler, at Hayden Tyler, Hayden, H-A-Y-D-E-N-T-Y-L-O-R-E. This is just an example. It says, how many freaking times is Larson going to run into Elliot with three question marks? That's an example. It's the insufferable race fan that doesn't really know what's going on and makes any excuse to basically be a be an apologist or whatever the case is for their driver because they don't they know that they can't do anything wrong. And that happens with a lot of people, but it's just the worst with Chase Elliott fans. And you guys feel free to chime in so that you can actually save me from myself here. Um there was no message, Brent. <laughs> there was no message. What message was that? The one that Chase Elliott did not do by driving in his door. There was no message. But Kyle Larson didn't get it, or he just said, yeah, I get it already. No, No, somebody asked, like, Bob Parker says or whatever. Okay. Oh, what kind of message did you do to uh, Chase Elliott? Well, what kind of message did you send? Or do you think he delivered the message? He got the message? There was no message sent. What are they talking about, a message? <laughs> well, when he when he drove into his door, that's the message. Yeah, he was also trying to give room to Brad Keselowski, who was literally no, coming No, I mean, at him. he did it after they left pit road. Oh, I get Yeah, that one. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, what so I Yeah, okay. so the reporter was like... a little slow. Yeah, so the reporter is like, oh, <laughs> yeah, do, do you think he got the message? There was no message. Is that what Chase Elliott said? Yeah. It's a, it's well, like, what the hell did you drive into him twice for? No, there's no dead body under the porch. Why would you ask, officer? Uh, it's a weird smell coming from under there, yeah. and there's a lot of flies. <laughs> I can see a hand. There, there's nothing there, officer. Nothing. I didn't do it. Are you it wasn't sure? Because I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I got out of it. It's kind of retarded. It's ridiculous. And all their fans. Oh my god. But I mean, if this was like the third, if this was like the first time, it'd be like one thing. But it's like the second or third or fourth time that I don't know. Bitchy men got into it with bitchy men, and the fact that it's the most popular, two most popular drivers and their teammates. It's all going to get blown up out of proportion. Oh, this freaking, you know. this guy is a boomer elite so. who who commented on it here. I got another example for you if you'd like to hear. Sure, go ahead. This Absolutely. Guy at this guy, T Proudy 24 his bio says Marine Vet. Well, thank you, sir, but not thank you for the comment. Grandpa to nine. Jesus Christ, get off. Um, at T Prouty, P-R-O-U-T-Y-241 on Twitter, X, whatever. He just posts, all these Elliot haters, please be quiet. Thanks. Why? <laughs> We're not allowed to... Co- this is exactly it. We're not allowed to... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I was wrong. Thank you, sir. We're not allowed to come up with any sort of criticism for your driver. I do apologize, sir. We're not allowed to do that. Uh, geez, I could go on about this all day, but it's just so ridiculous at this point. And the people out there who are like, oh, when Chase Elliott was 
suspended or uh, out with injury, the, the ratings dropped. And it's like, no, the ratings just kind of dropped regardless because the racing kind of sucks. Um, and that's kind of the luck of the draw as to what races are on. Uh, rate, to be fair, ratings across the board for all sports are all kind of down. So, I mean... Because everyone has to go to work. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, I don't believe in the whole thing where it's like, oh, Chase Elliott fans are not watching because he's not in the playoffs. And it's like, you look at the ratings and the difference is so small, it's not even really measurable. And it's like, dude, can we stop? There's so many drivers that NASCAR and the media have a love affair with that are just not worth the love affair. Chase Elliott's one of them. Carson Hosevar is another. Uh, Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson as well. I mean, oh, yeah. uh, he is a, he's a damn good driver, but like okay. he's got zero personality, really. Um, Phil, who do you, I mean, you have Ty to. Ty Gibbs. Ty Gibbs. Ty Gibbs. Uh, Danny Hamlin. There's just. You know who my favorite personality in the whole sport is right now? This is going to sound fucking crazy. Because he sucks. <laughs> oh, I'd love to hear it. Brandon Jones. <laughs> he sucks, but his like interviews are always great. He's very well spoken. He's, yeah, he's always upbeat. He's great for TV. Like we need somebody. Seems, we need somebody who's robotic, but at least it has life. We need. We need somebody who is like a wrestling promo at this point, just to liven up the show a little bit. I'm just sick of. These types Macho of man is a NASCAR driver. Yeah, there we go. Maybe we gotta bring the king up a few levels. He couldn't afford it. It's, it's not up for him. <laughs> oh, that's right. Hail to the king, baby. Yeah, he could get it done. Is that what we need? Yeah, we need somebody to just shit stir. We need somebody to be the antagonist at this point. Yeah, I know it's. I mean, we've spoken forever about you can't how because it has to be well written. And mm. it will sound like wrestling, and <laughs> you can't make that. T- it, it it's just deli- they can't. You, you're saying they can't go that far because they're already starting to tread down those waters. <laughs> because the comparison, it's not. It wouldn't be the first comparison, <laughs> so you can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So anyway, um, oh, somebody made a sprint car comparison. It says how many Kings Royal or Knoxville Nationals does Chase Elliott have? It's like, dude, come on. <laughs> That's not even an Who argument. Who the fuck cares? He hasn't entered any. That's why. Why make that an argument? God, I know that's a Kyle Larson fan, but you're all one and the same at that's this point. That's called a red herring. It really Sorry. is. God almighty. It's not an uh, argument. All right, so I'm sick of Chase Elliott fans. I'm sick of Fairweather fans. I'm sick of all these other fans. And damn it, we didn't come up with something we could talk about people killing themselves with. Oh, you see that? Ryan, Ryan Blaney fans can kill themselves. Oh, they're getting just as bad right now. And Ryan Blaney is a Class A whiner. He might be on our list for whiner of the year. Chase Elliott's probably going to be on that. Uh, by the way, you see that lamp, Jess, behind you? Yeah. Maybe you could hand that lamp to the, the winner of the Darf Commons of the Week. It's got a little frayed wire. Don't worry. You don't have to unplug it from the wall to fix it. You can just twist them wires back together by hand, and they can electrocute themselves. Well, the best way to do it is, is with water. <laughs> So oh, okay. Do it in the bathtub. Oh, bring it in with you, and that yes. way they can. You have really, to do it underwater in the bathtub, and they can brighten up all of us NASCAR fans do, when they do, do it so. in the whole ass swimming pool. There you go. <laughs> so you can fucking really get deep. Then may God have mercy on their souls. 
bring their whole family with them. <laughs> we really gotta start coming up with these ahead of time. It's a little difficult. We're so mad at this. I know we are. I don't know why people listen to this. That's the problem, is that they don't. <laughs> We're doing this for ourselves at this point. Fair. All right, news we missed from last week. I'm so out of it right now. Because we released the show too early. <laughs> Thank you. John Hunter Nemechek was announced to race for Legacy Motor Club in 2024, surprising nobody uh, in the 42 car because they're switching over to Toyota. Who would have guessed that he would have gone with it? Whoopty shit. Anyway. By the way, did you notice where Carson Hosevar finished again in that 42 car? Like 20th or something? So it was a top 20 run. Mid. Yeah. Yeah, well, Ryan Priest did his normal, you know, finish top two in the team thing where he finished in the top 20. He finished like 18th. Yep. Nobody had a negative thing to say that time. It's only when he has a, a bad day or the pit crew does something shitty or the car sucks, you know. When they start fucking bad mouthing them, uh, just don't get me started. They don't like us northerners up down there. No, we actually have straight teeth when and they, speak clearly. When they when they say, "Oh, hey, sorry, teeth in general." So good to see you. When do you leave? <laughs> that's that's. It's not how long you stay. It's more like when do you when are you heading out? When can you get the fuck out of here? Yeah, yeah. not wrong. Yeah, well, yeah, that's southern hospitality for you. There is no such thing as southern hospitality, and I've—I mean, they t- they they tell you pleasantly to go fuck yourself because they're a bunch of passive aggressive cowards. All the ones that were all the ones that had a sense of bravery all died in the Civil War anyway. Yeah, which who won that, by the way? Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, um, by the way, if you've ever been down south, the traffic is horrific. And nobody can drive. Nobody. I've never seen such shitty driving in a place that champions automotive. (laughs) Race cars and racing? Yeah, Yeah, racing. Like things that take talent to do. I'm like, Jesus Christ, nobody down here can drive. It's horrific. Anyway. There's a reason that they call I-75 here in Florida Accident Alley. Jesus Christ. I stay off that highway as much as I can. I think it's several reasons. Number one of which would be IQ. Number two (laughs) would be inbreeding, which is the source of low IQ. Dude, I could be cruising along at 95 miles an hour in the left lane, fucking flying, and just get my doors blown off by people just in and out of traffic i'm like what the fuck well felt what you need to do as a as a northern carpetbagger is just spray your jizz everywhere and try to deepen the gene pool at least okay. now now i know why all the fucking redneck trucks have those big bumpers on them it's because those idiots get in your fucking way get somebody pregnant and just start flinging babies out of there <laughs> Start improving Deep in the pool. It. Yeah, improve the gene pool as much as you possibly can. Start forking can. the tr- family trees off. Yeah, they 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 do not have enough branches. All right, now that we're done insulting the South again, we can move on. Got a little bit of local news to share. Let's see. We got word this week that JDV Productions, which is, uh, if anybody's familiar with the Connecticut area, that is uh, Josh Renata. That is his promotional group. 
He is the former general manager of Thompson Speedway Motorsports Park, where he was the general manager right when they did that changeover and started building the road course. Um, there, that group, not Thompson, but Josh Venata's promotional group, announced that they will be leasing, promoting, etc., the Monadnock Speedway up in New Hampshire in 2024. And word also came out that they will be repaving that facility next month. So I'm excited. That seems pretty cool. No, that's great. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, I didn't realize it was needed a uh, a repave until we saw some close-up shots on Flow. And it's like, oh, well, I, I guess it could use a little repaving. Has... Yeah. I don't think it's ever been paved since the first time it got paved. I think this is the first repave that place is ever going to get. Since 1971? I believe so. It's possible. I believe, it's tr- I believe you're right, actually. Article. It's very possible. Yeah, the article from the New Hampshire Union leader says, for the first time since it opened in 1971, Monadnock Speedway competitors yeah. will be on a newly paved quarter-mile racetrack. Dude, the backstretch there is like a fucking washboard. Yeah. That's what I've heard, yeah. And, it's uh, rough. I've I've made a couple laps there. It's fucking rough. <laughs> I thought the speed bowl was rough. It yeah. ain't nothing compared yeah, to that. The original, yeah, you're <laughs> right. That is the original asphalt. No shit. I know the speed bowl's plumb wore out, and they repaved it's that. A, what it's ninety? A, it's no, a cool 80, track. I wonder if they're gonna. Yeah, I mean, you see the corners are almost look like they're at a lower elevation than the straightaways. They are. You know, they just kind of dive you off dive, the cliff. Yeah, you dive down into the turns. Go into the corner, and then you come out of the corner, and you jump over the cliff. Yeah, you come back up out of it. Yeah, you climb out of the cliff. So. It's pretty wild. I like the place. It's, it's pretty neat. pretty cool. So. I've only been there once. I think Phil and I went there when COVID was just firing off. And everything. Yeah, when what's this face tried to kill himself right in front of us, hit that freaking concrete <laughs> George, wall head on. Yeah, savory. Thing. Oh man, that thing went straight into that that wall right there, and it's it's not the wall is not curved there. It's just a flat wall all the way down the front stretch, and there's no wall like in turns one and two or three and four. It's just front stretch, back stretch, and then flat. That's it. And he just I'll tell you what, I'm glad thing. that wall was there. Yeah, he would have hit a lot of people. He <laughs> would have hit us. That's true too. We would have um, worn a race car. But it was a cool place. I had never been there before, and. I think it's only two hours from my house, which is pretty neat. Uh, which means there's a there's a bunch of tracks within two hours of me. I think I got Star and uh, Monadnock. I don't remember where Lee is. Uh, I'd have to go look that up. Then I got, let's see, New York. I got Lebanon Valley, which is pretty close. I think that's two hours. They're all pretty much exactly two hours. I'd love to go to uh, all of them, but they're all pretty much done for the year, so... Pretty much done with that. I could. I he wish I'd made October it to Fest the week before the World Series. Yeah, I know, and Out. I wish I could have made it to Seaconk this year, but again, for like the third year in a row, I failed. I think the last time I went to Seaconk, we were filming something and it rained. So that's fantastic. But the anyway, last time I went to Seaconk, it rained. I got two two heat races in, and it rained. Hooray! Yeah, I was there that one night where it. Uh, I think the the power went out. And they tried running until darkness, and then the power never came back on, and they had to cancel because of darkness. They had David C. Conk, get your weather together. They had Kevin Boucher in a cop car going around the track with a PA system in the cop car, just yelling at people. That was a tough night. But anyway, 
Yeah, I'm excited for Manadnock. Uh, did you, Jess, did you, what is it? Did you see in the article if they were going to go NASCAR sanctioning or if they were going to do their own thing? Or, I mean, I. Uh, let's see. Because I know those guys have been doing a lot it, of work. It doesn't there. say if they're going to renew the NASCAR uh, sanctioning. Doesn't say. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking um, they don't because know if the tour will be back in twenty twenty four. Maybe back. Evan Adnock. Yeah, oh. for next year, it maybe. So they haven't gone that far yet. That's yeah. That's kind of later in the paperwork, I suppose. Yeah. So other than that, yeah, there's no other, uh, no other word yet. All right. Yeah, this is early in the process. Developing suppose, story. So. Yeah, developing. That's a good one. So we'll see in the future. It is only September. Josh typically works pretty quickly to get things promoted. So yeah, well, hopefully they don't go NASCAR. You just take the tour race. I mean, they were NASCAR sanctioned for Manadnock. I don't think they were the NHSTRA yeah. too much, but I know they had elements of it. You know, um, you, yeah, do your own thing. Get your own. Get your own stuff. Go streaming. Get your own stuff. Yeah, because you do can bring. You can if you want to bring the tour in. You can. I know you can bring the tour into Nothing a non-NASCAR sanctioned track. Still have the tour. Right, and I know Josh does a hell of a lot with the tour. He puts on like three or four races for them now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He puts on a ton of shows for the tour. Yeah. His his connection in NASCAR with the tour is why I think that place will stay in NASCAR track. Probably. It very well could, but I don't really know because obviously it's not. I, I, don't, I don't really believe NASCAR has much benefit these days anyway. In the no. short they track get, realm, they genuinely don't. For for like the national champion stuff, yeah, fine. But realistically, only ten people out of how much are going to be in the top ten and get any money? So, not a lot. Yeah. So it's hard to make the full Didn't they field used requirement. To kick, <laughs> kick the tracks money for points funds when it was Winston. Yeah, Winston used to kick the tracks a lot of stuff, but that wasn't NASCAR. That was Winston. Because R.J. Reynolds gave a shit about racing. They gave a shit about NASCAR. Yeah, but NASCAR. it was still under NASCAR. Like, Advanced Auto Parts is currently the... It was the same type of deal. Right, but that's just kind of a premier... Well, whatever you call it. Uh, I keep, I forget. Again, I'm kind of out of it today, but... I, was, I think my point is I don't feel like NASCAR is selling the local classes as well as they used to. I don't think they're putting the effort into the the marketing. Again, I really don't think that they did before, back like the '80s and '90s when R.J. Reynolds was part of it, when it was the Winston Racing Series. I don't think NASCAR did a hell of a lot to promote it. I think it was more Winston and R.J. Reynolds than anything else. Because I mean, you look back when Dodge was part I of it. You look back and you see all the other sponsors of the the weekly series, and it's you know Dodge and Whalen. And then you got advanced auto parts, and it's basically when did you ever see NASCAR doing a hell of a lot about short track series other than putting a sponsor on the weekly stuff? It's usually the sponsor of the weekly stuff that tries to filter down into the local series. Like R.J. Reynolds used to send local tracks, part of the Winston Racing Series, paint, and they would paint up their facilities and make them look nice and fresh and stuff, and they'd put money into like points funds and stuff. So, I mean, again, I think it's more the tied in sponsor than it is NASCAR doing it personally. I mean, allegedly, but you know, again, with the media rights that NASCAR holds over local series and local tracks, especially the ones that are 
uh, sanctioned by them or the ones that pay the sanctioning fee or whatever it is. It's really, it's not impossible, but it's just like not worth their time to go streaming or invest in streaming because if you don't have your own production, then you're basically paying Flow or all these other streaming platforms to put on those races instead of like being partners with them and getting some kind of benefit from them. Because I know Stafford has and has had for a long time their own media and their own production team. Like they, oh, have, yeah. their, they have their own trailer, they have their own equipment, they have their own everything. And basically Flow is a broadcast partner with them because they don't have to put on the show. Stafford puts on the show, Flow just hosts it. So they can do a little bit more with them. They don't have to pay them to do things. You know what I mean? So anyway, I'll move on from that. There's a lot more to that than what I mentioned, obviously, behind the scenes. I'm just surprised they let me in those gates after what I said the week before about their officials. Now. (laughs) (laughs) They know we're being fair. And they also one one person we mentioned. It wasn't anybody else in that facility. Well, you know the video crew and everyone else responsible for this. It's just point. I. It's not my fault. It's his fault. He said it. Well, here's the thing. I will. I don't care if someone's mad about it or not. Um, I will always, and people should know this by now. I will always advocate for the racers more than I will anyone else, and. If everybody did that, then I think that they would have a lot more racers. Like, obviously, we're changing topics at this point, but um, former... Did anybody else see this? But former general manager of the Speed Bowl, Mike Sirluca, put up a... He just put a general question on his Facebook that said, Speed Bowl competitors, or former Speed Bowl competitors, why don't you race there anymore? It got a lot of traction, but you know, it got a I'm ton of like, traction. But like, there were some kind of junk. I wasn't, answers. Gonna, I wasn't even going to bother answering because it's like, well, who cares? Because it, uh, unless it's active management and they honestly want to know my opinion, then let them ask it. Right. Other than that, you know, it's just, you know, it's just kind of like posting between friends or whatever. It's just scuttlebutt. Yeah, I mean, I get it, obviously, but it's it boils down to. Three things. I don't know. Just you could go through the list and just start checking off like I don't know, it's probably twenty five different things. Yeah, I I mean I I always if somebody says favoritism, I pretty much discount that immediately because it's just skept spec you know, speculation and skepticism and stuff like that. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be there in numerous forms and if it didn't exist. Well, yeah, exactly. But um I usually discount that one first though. But I can boil it down to three reasons, if if anybody cares. Um, officiating, surface, ownership. That's pretty much it. Like, if you look at that track and if it had... Well, I mean, all the other subsequent reasons. Uh, those are the main ones. You you have to have those three things are the catalyst. Yeah, they're all just the main ones. You know? There's little branches coming off of them, obviously, but... You know, those are the three main ones. So if you look at Waterford, yeah, it's all everything's. Brent, you listen to Jocko. Everything yeah. stems from leadership, right? Um, I'm just, you know, if the place was, you could even look at it the way it is now. If the place was still owned by Terry Eames and by some, ma- m- you know, magical reason, he didn't run it into the ground and actually, like, put up those fences and walls and new scoreboard and, you know, the 
grandstands and all that stuff. If for some reason it was him who did all that stuff and, like I said, was financially stable with the facility, I guarantee you there would be twice as many cars and the grandstands would be a lot more full. I just think that it comes a lot from ownership. Some, The fans are going to look the other way when it comes to officiating, especially the casual fans. The only thing that they really care about is why is it taking so long to clean up? That's basically it. Yeah. You know? uh, I don't know. I, I, I always loved the Speed Bowl. I don't care. I still do love it. I used yeah. to run there. Oh, yeah. But there are reasons I left, and if they want to know, they can ask me. Exactly. That's why I always have spoken in the past about if ownership and, and leadership and officials want to know what they can do better, we'll just pull the drivers. You know, have a big meeting, have everybody air their concerns, write stuff down, take note. There you go. It's an easy and, you know, pretty inexpensive way to figure out what you're doing right or wrong. And you can voice a lot of concerns that way. Again, just be proactive. But I saw that post and I figured I'd bring it up as a talking point really quick. So if I lived there still, I might race that place once in a while, but there's no way I'd commit to that place. I go to Stafford all day. Yeah, the problem, a lot of the problem around local racing around here is that you ask any casual fan what racetracks are around, and they'll probably just say Stafford because they'll have no idea that Waterford's still even open or Thompson has even a few races. Um, I'm not going to speak for Seacock because that's a completely different place to me. But, um, again, it's just very strange like i read a, I read somebody say that they were looking for sponsorship to go there and people had no idea it was even open still waterford and i'm like let's say it's like thompson. thompson yeah right phil yeah yeah it's same just, thing about thompson i know you've said that before it is like the the guy who will remain nameless obviously uh was looking for sponsorship and they said the sponsor had no idea and i'm like man that sucks. So it's all about engagement with your racers. You can't you can't not have it. So anyway, we can save this discussion for probably the end of the the season for us personally, because uh, I'm going to move it on into something else. I think we'll air all our grievances before we close down for the season. What do you think? Oh yeah. Anyway, we always have an end I just, of the year bitch fest. I just kind of went off yeah. on a little tangent just because it was on top of my head and. I had nothing else we to talk about. To fill time. Well, yeah, I mean, because when I wander into the local stuff, I mean, I talk a lot about Stafford because I watch it or participate in watching it or producing it, I should say. And they rained out. So I was sent a request to talk about the Waterford Wednesday night finale because they ran their final points night. And I looked into it and I'm like, man, I really should talk about this because, I mean, I'm not going to talk about the Legends cars or the Bandoleros with one person who takes off and laps the field in a Bandolero. No one no one cares. I'm sorry. Uh, Bandoleros are go-karts. They're too small for that track. You don't learn how to race by flooring it all the way around the speed bowl on want, the apron. Let's keep it. This is an adult program. Yes. So Wednesday night, I never, and I do apologize to the Wednesday night competitors at Waterford, but... Number one, I never get any news for it. I never get any videos, even though some do exist. They just come out late, and I have way more notes to take. I mean, already, think about it. This would be a three-and-a-half-hour show 
if I covered Wednesday nights at Waterford, Friday nights at Seekonk, you know, all the other little shows in between. And it's like, man, I just don't have the time. So I covered it this week because it was interesting. Now, again, there was, I brought it up for a few reasons. Now, I do also want to say it's pretty interesting to me that the Super X cars, which are their V8 division, are almost exactly what Jesse's first street stock was. Like when we started racing in 1999, we ran street stocks Saturday nights at Waterford. This was almost it. I know. I should just pretty much I, wait, wait and return as a Super X driver. I used to bag on the Super X division all the time, but at this point, I think that's what I would race. <laughs> well, you know, when they first started, they were pretty badass because it was basically a glorified Enduro, and there were just a ton of full-size and mid-size cars, stock bumpers, stock everything. They put on freaking killer races. I mean, they were amazing races to watch back in the day. And then now sort it's of strictly stocks. Yeah, now it's sort of it, through the mid two thousands and you know mid knots or uh, mid teens in the two thousands. It kind of sucked because they screwed with the rules and then nobody came anymore. Now it's starting to gain traction again, but that's because well our cars are now too expensive, so guys are just kind of retreating back to these, and these are kind of like the street stocks that we started with. And then X cars are basically like mini stocks on street tires, but you know. Go ahead. Does anybody see a pattern? <laughs> it's like a fucking circle. It just keeps going around in a circle. I mean, that's... The same class just keeps repeating itself. Mm. It's, it's it did cyclical. it with the late models. The late models turned into what they are now from what you guys are currently kind of racing. Yep. <laughs> I, it's a fucking circle. <laughs> well, yeah, we race on a circle. What would you expect? <sighs> Yeah, but, too many fucking circles. It's like a hamster wheel. Yeah, but we're uh, going a lap down. We're losing cars. That is yes. true. Well, we also it, have way too many divisions. We're laps down with tons of engine failures. <laughs> we have far too many divisions, and we and racing is far too expensive for Let's what it is. Let's not go down that road. Yeah. Well, again, that's no, for another that day. That's Thompson for, needs to get rid of the, the late model cup cars, whatever the fuck you guys drive, and just bring the Waterford Super X cars up. Or they just need to revert our rules back to what the Stafford cars are because that's basically what we were. We should all go to the Super X rules. Yeah. I looked at their tires. I thought they were the Hoosier 790s. I think they're actually Hoosier 850s or something like that. So they're a lot harder tire. But they look like a 790. They're just harder. So I don't have any problem with it. I guess they last forever, but whatever. Um from what I'm going to go into the Super X race because that one was uh, a little less controversial, let's just say. All right, Wednesday, guys, I'm giving you your due. It was the championship. From what I could tell, the points lead was actually really tight. It was tied between Bill Rayum and Sean Skinner, and only four points back in third was Ben Pollard, and in fourth, Ray Reed was only six points back this reminds me of a few years ago at thompson with the street stocks where the top four cars were like four points apart it was wild i was one of them and we screwed the pooch royally anyway uh i'll get into the race here because a few incidents early put like four cautions out in the first two laps and i need to talk uh about our 
intrepid track photographer slash social media handler, Mitch Bombard. He was involved in two of them, unfortunately, with point leader, tied point leader, Billy, Billy uh, Rayum. So he had a rough night. And I think Mitch caught the turn one wall pretty hard and might have bent the clip in his car, which sucks. Mitch, you're creating too much content. Tone it down. <laughs> uh, let's see. Ben Pollard, once it finally got moving again, Pollard and uh, Sean Skinner, who is first and third in points. Actually, Skinner was first. Pollard was third. They put on a great battle for the lead until Pollard took it from the top side. I'm just going to run down the race here because it was interesting with the points and all. By lap 17, I think the officials had had enough of the spins and yellows, so they put that yellow flag away until it was absolutely necessary. Uh, a caution with eight to go would bring Ray Reed into the picture, and if he could get by Skinner, who was then in second, uh, that would put Pollard into a tie for the point lead unless Skinner would lose other spots, which just so happened would happen, I guess. Uh, Skinner would slide high and lose about three spots in turn two, and that put Pollard in sole possession of the point lead late in the race. Pollard would scoot away as Greg Moran Jr. and uh, Reed would battle for second, and Pollard would win the race and the title in pretty dramatic fashion, coming from third in points to start the night to not only win the race but the title all in one shot, which was pretty awesome. Um, also, I got to mention, I took a bunch of videos from Matt Menders, who puts the videos up on his YouTube channel. I was able to watch these races ahead of time and get a little bit of notes for them. I think I've only, you know, I've been to more Wednesday night speedball races than I've been to Seekonk in the last three years. So just an added note from me personally, uh, Ben and his father, Pete Pollard, helped me out earlier this year when I was getting my car ready. Uh, Pete runs B&H Racing Chassis out of his garage and uh, does a lot of nice fabrication work, and Ben helps him out too. And The story was just too good to pass up, so I wanted to not only thank those guys for what they did for me, but give them a lot of pub and our own congrats as well. But that's a pretty cool story, huh? Come in third in points, top four, have a shot at it within six points of each other. He wins the race, guy in the points lead skates up the track and loses a couple spots and he wins the damn both of them both of them at once i thought that was pretty good i couldn't pass that up pretty badass yeah it, it is pretty badass that's yeah he did a killer one wheel peel burnout at the start finish line too <laughs> just to show that he's legal right that, the rear end's totally legal in that thing yep all right so the x car race which is their four cylinder class <clears throat> excuse me hmm this one, oh boy. <laughs> you got a damning, hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, this one was a little more controversial. Uh, didn't have the quite the feel-good story, I suppose. Now, I'm not going to go as in-depth as I did the Super X race, although I probably am, judging by my notes. So disregard that. As With regards to the points chase, it wasn't as close. Because uh, Dylan Cabral led Chris Palomar, I think that's how you pronounce his name, by 17 points uh, coming into the race with third place Chuck McDonald, cousin of the podcast. A little too far behind to catch up, I guess. So a few cautions early, uh, which is seemingly standard procedure for the last race of the year. <laughs> Everyone tends to unplug their brain in any division. Uh, let's see. Ryan Magliano, I think that's his name, led a bunch early. 
Corey Caddick and point leader Dylan Cabral were fighting for the podium spots. Uh, Caddick fell off the pace and went pit side around halfway, which I find interesting considering where he finishes. A little bit of a teaser. Six to go. Magliano pounded the wall hard coming off of turn four, ending his good run, possibly because of a lost tire. The thing, if you watch the video, he just comes off of turn four, shoots straight into the outside wall. There's a video. Yeah. Matt, like I said, Matt Mender's YouTube channel. Was not Sid's view or whatever. Um, where was I? Caddick used a couple cautions to charge back through the field to take over second late in the race, but Dylan Cabral would cross the finish line first. Okay, this is where I piss off all the Wednesday night crowd. How many wins was that for him? I think seven. It was supposedly, I think, his seventh on the year. Yeah. I think he'd won six before that. Now, however... The drama in post-race technical inspection had Cabral disqualified from the win. And because of that, that awarded the win to Corey Caddick. But third place, Palomar, was awarded the championship due to the disqualification. Now this is exactly where I saw the comment section of the Speed Bowl's Facebook page light up with all sorts of commenters in defense of Cabral. I mean, obviously... You're always going to get people like that. Well, okay, okay sir, yep. fan favorite. That's what that proves. Yeah. Which is fine. Saying all sorts of stuff like he ran the same stuff all year and the tech staff did it on purpose to play favorites and just a whole swath of people claiming the track did something wrong and DQing Cabral. I mean, there's... If he ran the same stuff all year, he was illegal all year then. Right. I mean, that's my... <laughs> that's exactly what my argument is, is if you ran it all year and didn't get caught... Then you did. <laughs> Eventually, if you did, it doesn't matter if you ran it all year. All right, let me get through this little mini rant that I got going on here. Uh, let's see. I mean, there's countless people coming to the defense of Cabral and making as many judgments to defame, blame, slander the track as possible. Uh, but what I didn't see was them trying to prove their argument. Uh, if you're going to make such ridiculous claims, prove it by showing us that the car was, in fact, legal. Because someone made a claim in the comment section, because I read all of them, that he failed because his spring was rumored to be seven one-thousandths of an inch different, and that's why the tech staff said his springs were different, and he was thrown out. So, I don't know if this is as scientific as you'd think, but I took a scientific approach to this, and I went out to my garage, and I took two springs that were ordered from the same company at the same time, and they were 50 pounds different. That's what they were listed from the company. That's what I rated them at because I wanted to make sure that the claims of those spring pressures were valid from the manufacturer. I always test my own springs. Again, 50 pounds is not a lot, but it is different. Uh, I took out my digital dial calipers, which is what was rumored to be used by the tech staff, and I measured these two springs. Jay just so happened to be only five thousandths of an inch different. And so I didn't believe that, so I took them over to the Spring Raider, and again, yep, they were different. They rated uh, 50 pounds different than each other. So I was like, oh, okay. So, yes, that little amount of difference does, in fact, matter. Oh, and which side was the bigger one on? I don't know. I don't think they said. If it's on the left side, that would make it the 
that would make it the bigger spring. Mm. For a front-wheel drive car, in my, in my belief is everything's opposite. The big springs are on the left side on a front-wheel drive car. Whichever side you put them on. But right, but I, yeah, I think that yeah, they get a heavier spring rate on the, on the left side on a front-wheel drive. So I believe like it's I said, all backwards from a rear-wheel drive. So like I said, yes, in fact, if it was rumored to be only seven one-thousandths of an inch difference, well, that could be the difference between 50 to 75 pounds. That is a difference. So, oh, it's just less than the width of a piece of paper. Yeah, I mean, we get that, but think about it. It's different, okay? It's different. <laughs> it is different. So, I mean... Every little bit matters in racing. You could, yeah. They could also use a, a, a spring rider, mm-hmm. you know, the, the kind that you twist down like three turns or whatever yeah. and you have a dial or measure it. it by three inches and divide it or whatever you do yeah. yeah yeah those those are i mean i would like to see them rate the springs also but guess what if those springs are even thousands of an inch off then yes they are different uh stop blaming the track stop acting like they did something wrong prove that your car was legal and that your point is valid or just admit you were illegal just take it on the chin you know own it Either way, There's nothing how, wrong with owning it. What? How dare they use tech on a championship night? You know, <laughs> you know. I, <laughs> and you, it's funny because it'll be the same people that bitch. Oh, the track doesn't do tech. Jesse, how many times have you been in tech on championship night? A lot. How many times have you completely torn your car down on championship night? Down to the block. Every <laughs> single time, right? Because Sometimes, I've been yeah. there too. Yeah, I've been in tech on championship night multiple times. I didn't win the championship, but I sure was in tech that night. And we got our ass handed to us by the tech inspectors. We were putting our car together the whole rest of the damn night just to get it back in the trailer. So, seriously, I don't get it. Like, Don't bitch about tech and then bitch when something gets caught. Yeah, right? I mean, <laughs> is either way, all the bitching you do isn't going to somehow reverse the decision you lost. It doesn't matter how long you ran it. It doesn't matter whatever the case may be. Whatever arguments you all came up with, it doesn't matter when you got caught with it. Prove it when it happens or suck it up and take it. Seriously. What is the spring rule for that class? Same side to side. You but can run after springs? You can run after market, I think, but they you can't I don't think you can run you can probably use spacers but not adjustable ones. I think you probably use shims because they're front-wheel drive. I'm not sure. I'd have to go reread the rule book. But I was told they have to be the same side-to-side. Not front-to-back, but side-to-side. There's got to be some kind of tolerance, though, because, I mean, manufacturing flaws, every fucking spring's different. Well, the thicker a spring, the more weight and the more rating. And even right. if it, like I said, I measured it in my shop. I measured two springs with a 50-pound difference, and they came out to be five thousandths of an inch different from the same manufacturer. What do you want? <laughs> you know? So a thousandth is a 10 pounds. It very well could be. I mean, seven thousandths, which is what they claimed, could be 75 pounds. Who the hell knows? Again, I'm not in the business of just continually raining on people when the bad day happens, but... Yeah, I mean, it sucks, but... I mean, I just can't, I can't stand when people are caught with something and they take it like it's just this giant misdeed done to them. And it's like, well, 
Why is it every single time <laughs> there's a big giant blow up controversy? It's always with the 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 four cylinder pure stock X car type divisions. It's almost like they wrote every rules. single time. <laughs> and then there's a bull. Yeah, yeah, every single time there's some bullshit controversy. Internet. It's just. It's I just, just can't always, stand it. always, always with the bottom division. I I just always. don't get it. I don't understand. I'm not going to say anything I regret. Never mind. No, I just <laughs> don't. I, I'll piss off the whole fucking community there's, there. There's one at, there's, there was one at, at Riverside uh, Adventure Park hey, up north. I've been DQ'd as a car owner for a spring, so I get mm. it. Like, it sucks. When but, was that? Uh, World Series 2020 when Patrick drove the car before I had moved down here. Oh, okay. I flew down here as car owner Phil and uh, ran the whole. He ran the whole weekend, and we had a third or a fourth place. I think we ended up. It was gonna be third because of a DQ in front of us, um, but we got tossed for a spring being a quarter of an inch shorter than it should have been. So but, it sagged out on you. No, it it was an illegal spring. We just threw it in there. They had made a rule change for that year that we missed. Oh, well, that's fair. <laughs> Owned it. Yeah, whatever. We admitted we fucked up. But that's how you got to handle that situation. I mean, completely trying to burn down the racetrack because they wrote a rule and then enforced it is kind of on you. So, I mean, again. Here's, here's I mean, the thing, too. Whether you're right or you're wrong, act like, oh, we just made a mistake. We'll move on. Be professional about it. It makes you look like much less of a fucking asshole. Or at least appeal it and just say, hey, can you can you use other means to prove that it isn't the same? Yeah. You know what I mean? Be an adult. It's not that hard. You don't need drama because drama makes everything look worse. Yeah, and destroying the racetrack is not going to help because then you won't have a place to race, dumb fuck. All right. So anyway, speaking of the <laughs> speaking of the people, your words not mine. I'm sorry, but I've been DQ'd from the biggest fucking win of my life for something that I didn't do, and I still owned it. Moving on. Speed Bowl. Speaking of the Speed Bowl, they ran Saturday night when Stafford was. Rained out Friday night, so I might as well just move on into Friday or uh, Stafford or uh, God Almighty Speed Bowl Saturday night, the one that raced. <laughs> I was trying to, yeah, I was trying to go there actually on Saturday night because I saw it was like the rain was just right. The rain, the, it was, yeah, the rain was right on the Uncasville border. Uncasville's cursed land. Oh, the yeah, yeah the Uncasville Triangle. Yeah, it's yeah, cursed land. Yeah, so I was like, it's the gonna, st it's gonna yeah. stay north. I was down in Stonington that whole day, and it never rained. So I it was wanted weird. To, I wanted to go, but the second feature was already on the track. So it was really weird. Around, went home. I was watching the radar, and I was watching the rain build north of the speed bowl, but still inland. It built there, yeah, and then just went north. Yeah, and I'm like, huh, okay. It wasn't coming off the ocean. It was building inland, but north of Waterford, and then just going north. I'm like, wow, that was weird. So Waterford was spared. Yeah, yeah. 
and they were going to get it in. I knew they were going to get in too. They just they luck out sometimes. I don't know how they do, but anyway, Speed Bowl. I don't know what the order of the features actually were, so I watched um, the speed... trucks, SK lights. Okay, I got it wrong. Uh, super modifieds, <laughs> late models, and then modifieds. Yeah, I didn't watch the super modifieds because Speed Bowl history didn't film them. The super modifieds had their own video team, and I didn't see it, so I didn't bother reporting on it. But anyway, Speed Bowls. Uh, let's see. I got the trucks first, so that's what I watched. Let's see. Starting off here, Ken Cassidy and uh, Brody Monahan would get to the front within like the first couple of laps with perennial contender Kyle Giro starting last for some reason that I am actually unaware of, and I didn't bother to ask anybody for some reason. But the front duo would take off from the rest of the field as Giro tried to carve his way forward. I don't think he finished very badly. I think he finished... Kind of uh, towards the top five. Now I'm going to have to search for it. God dang it. Let's see. Rich Keeter taught me how to search for things at... Oh, God. That's not going well. Hey, there we go. All right, trucks. Where are we? All the way at the bottom, of course. Oh, Giro actually... He, he rallied to finish fourth, starting last. I think there were 12 trucks. All right. And I think it went green to checkered also. So that was a pretty good run for him. Uh, let's see. Monahan would reel in Cassidy towards the final laps of this green to checkered event. Oh, yeah, there it is. And going into three on the final lap, Cassidy left just a little too much of the door open on the bottom, and Monahan would shove the nose in there. There was a little bit of contact with the left rear, nothing too big, but they would drag race it out to the line, and Monahan would be just able to take the win. Cassidy was saying that his truck was getting a little bit loose towards the end and getting that one little bump, that was just enough to send him out of the way. So, decent close finish. Then I went to street models, and this was a little uneventful. Uh, Tony Macrino and Al Stone, still driving that Norman Brothers 12 car, made their way onto the podium only a handful of laps in. I don't think that at least, at least they started outside the top four. Cont I believe it was six. Yeah, fifth and sixth, I think. That's it. <laughs> well, I mean, when you get 13 cars, it's hard to not start mid-pack and only right. be sixth. Yeah. Um, contact between Macrino and leader Sean Gaedeke would allow Macrino to the bottom to take the lead with Stone following through. Stone would waste no time as he would shoot to the lead around halfway and pretty much walk away and go unchallenged for yet another win in the Norman Brothers 12 car, which is unstoppable. Yeah. They're gonna, the only thing that stops it is him. Yeah. <laughs> Planting it in the backstretch wall. <laughs> Whoops. No. Anyway, um, so I'm, I'm waiting for them to bring that thing out for the uh, open street stock race, which I believe there's going to be one, if it doesn't rain, at Thompson on Wednesday, and then there's going to be another one at the World Series. So we'll see how it does up there. Late models. By lap three, Jason Palmer had used the high side to take over the lead. I thought it was pretty much game over if it went green to checkered, but it didn't. Uh, all the battling behind him was pretty much fourth on back with Emma Monahan, Tyler Chapman, not the modified kid, uh, Andrew Moeller, Derek Ramstrom, and Brody Monahan. By the way, you know the Chapmans, the modified crew. There's three of them. Yes. The brood, essentially. I saw somebody the other day complaining that they were like little rich kids and 
all this other stuff. And I'm like, so would you rather have three cars in the field or not at this point? I mean. They're not the only three rich kids in the field. All of them are. They all are. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so? All of them are. <laughs> Who cares anymore? As long as there's freaking cars in the field, I don't yeah. care. Doesn't matter. Who it's, gives yeah. a shit? Yeah, that's been a thing for the last 30 years. 50. 50 years. <laughs> Jesus. Who cares anymore? All right, anyway. Uh, finally, with 10 laps to go, a caution would fly. The first of the features I watched, because the two that I watched before that went green checkered. Let's see. With six to go, John's... Oh, by the way, Jess, we got us a third. Oh, we have a third. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, because Ray Christian, the third... He wasn't there, so I put it away. Yeah, he was not there. Oh, there was also Al Stone, the third. Oh, yes. We got to make up for Al. (laughs) Um, John Silva, the third. There we go. A new third has entered the chat. Uh, A new third. Makes my heart warm. But he would spin and set up a late race restart with six to go. All these bougie wasp motherfuckers. That <laughs> <laughs> was very, very white Anglo-Saxon Protestant of you. Three to go. <laughs> Mike Benavides would catch the turn four wall. Emma Monahan would spin. But Palmer would go on to win under heavy challenge. And uh, I believe it was number 99 for him at the track. I'd have to double check that. I'm just going off memory. Um, this is insane. I don't think that's new, no. I believe that's old. Anyway, I'll check. I will check. But I believe that's number 99 for him. Do you think they already have a banner made for 100? Oh, they have to by now. Yes. I would. <laughs> I would. I Absolutely. Would. Hell yeah. I wouldn't put a date or nothing on it. I mean, I'm not that, you know, serendipitous. But I would at least make the banner. You got to. Uh, where was I here? SK Lights. Oh boy, this is a fun one. This was a good race. This was was a a really good race. And it didn't end the way that I thought it would, so that's good. I thought it was going to end in a lot of tears. Uh, Sammy Anderson and Isaiah Newcomb started on the front row, which I haven't been mentioning who starts on the front row lately, because usually it doesn't matter, but, uh, it will become important later. The race would string out completely and be an absolute chooch fest, uh, like choo-choo train fest. <laughs> Single file. Yeah. Uh, only a handful of laps in with Anderson leading and Newcomb in second. And I think it went green to checkered pretty much. But five to go, Newcomb started reeling Anderson in. Three to go, he ducked a nose inside going to turn three. And they made wheel contact and he hopped up over her left front tire. They kept going, Jeff, however. Where's the dive bomb? Oh, yeah, you need that sound, I guess. He oh. came from, like, two cars back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't duck. That was dive. Yeah, he made an absolute... <laughs> that was very optimistic. <laughs> yeah, that was way too far back. Holy shit. And pretty much on par for Isaiah. He definitely will chuck it underneath somebody when he wants to. But... They kept going. Even airborne and sideways or not, they maintained their position and kept going. Uh, Anderson was still on his bumper, which if you're going to run into someone, you better get some distance because she definitely took advantage going into turn one and absolutely hammered his back bumper, sent him up the track. She came back around the bottom, and let's see. Yeah, Newcomb got clear of her. 
and shot back to the bottom in turn three, but didn't come back up the racetrack. He held it on the apron a lot longer. And they drag raced it out to the line, and Anderson was just able to edge out the win over Newcomb. And it was highly entertaining. <laughs> you see a car going airborne, jumping wheels, hammer in the back bumper. Haymakers, as oh, Sammy just, put it. Yeah, just throwing fists, basically, with vehicles. It was it was I mean, fun. At the end of it, I thought it was fair racing because... Yeah, they did it to Isaiah each other once. It, then he took it back, and it looked like he was like, all right, even score, let's race it out. And yeah. I respect that. Yeah, he... Because exactly. he could have just drove right into her again and fucking douched her off a of four. Yeah, and he didn't. He It was... Fair was fair. They both got it. They both gave it. And... Go Drag race to the line. Yeah, he yep. he held it on. He threw it in there, but he held it on the bottom so he wouldn't wash into her. They both had a lane. They didn't really make a hell of a lot of contact. They came off four and drag raced it out. It was clean and fair was fair. I felt, that I was felt a hell it was of a race. yeah, it was a great race. Mm-hmm. Good way to get your first win too. Oh, that's not her first. That's but not, but well, I think that's her second year. this year, isn't it? Well, I don't know. It might be. I'm not even sure. I'd have to go back and look. But uh, I don't do the records. I don't either. Uh, let's see. SKs I watched last. Oh, go ahead. I Phil. do have one question. Yeah, what's that? Sid needs to find out when the last time a father and a daughter won in the same season at the Speed Bowl. Because I believe Billy won earlier that year. Or this year. In the SK. It might have been last year because Billy got kind of thrown out real early this year. Yeah, so. I thought he, he won real, real early this year and then that happened. I'd have to look into it because I know, I know, uh, John Briganti might have made a couple starts. I don't know if he did or not. Maybe just like one offs in uh, yeah, SK Victoria Light. did win a couple more races after that. Yeah, in an SK Light before Victoria yep. may have won hers, or maybe after. I'm not sure. Again, I don't think it happened though. So it was probably close, but I don't think it's actually happened. So anyway, SKs. That was the last race I watched. I actually did all of my uh, note-taking while on the treadmill today, and it got done, so double uh, multitasking. So, SK, Jesus, SKs. Eric Burnt would take the lead from his front row starting spot and run away. There. Um, no. <laughs> Pretty much. No, not really, but, you know, it might as well have been. Eight laps in, Joey Gato would break something in the left front, coast to a stop, bringing out a yellow. Luckily, he broke it mid-corner instead of going into the corner. Uh, this gave Anthony Flannery a chance at the rematch stemming from last race where he would pester the back bumper of Burnt's car for the lead for a majority of the race. Burnt would pull away again towards the end of the race until the caution flew at, uh, I think, seven laps ago when John Bertram got turned around by Rob Janovic off turn two. I think Rob was bored with the long green flag run, wanted to spice it up, which I wouldn't put past him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to be fair. I think we all just made the same face. Yeah. It's not that Rob's dirty. I just said he probably got bored like we would have. <laughs> yeah, that's it. He's clever. Uh, let's I've see. thought about it before. I'm like, what happens if I'm so far back? What if I just spin, bring out a yellow pit, make some adjustments? Why not? I've uh, never done it. No, I'm not. I've never. I've never spun a car on my own. That's maybe I'm not trying hard enough. I don't know. I haven't either because I'm just not interested in oh, that. Oh fuck yeah, I did. <laughs> 
I've come <laughs> I have, really I have. Close. Oh my god. <laughs> I've I've come really close. Yeah. Not on purpose at least, but uh eh, again. Burnt would pull away towards the end of the race until a caution flew. Yep, that's already said that, but Burnt pulled away again and go completely unchallenged for the win. All right, let's get into the reports. We got Seekonk report with our Seekonk correspondent, Sean Miner. He titles this one, first is worst, second is best. By the way, I didn't really have a chance to pre-read these, so we're all going into this a little bit dry. So, um, Well, maybe you should foreplay a little bit. I know, I probably should have, but we didn't do that this week. So at least we don't have to add it in this week. <laughs> anyway, this, all right, to quote Mr. Miner's report. This week marks the first week of the Drive for the Cup. Oh, great. It's the playoffs at Seekonk. Um, the first round consists of two weeks, so nobody was cut last Saturday's race. Mother Nature must have loved the pre-recorded national anthem the track has used for the past 10-plus years because just as it started, the skies opened up, resulting in a 30-minute downpour. I have a question. Yes. I want to I know... Uh... How many cars drop off at the end of the season with Seekonk with the, with the playoffs? I bet you it's quite a few because people can't advance their position. Yeah. But we'll have more on that later, I think. I hope so. Um, hopefully. And I know Sean will definitely let us know if we uh, ask him nicely. Let's see. Uh, yeah, 30-minute downpour. To the track's credit, they did a great job sticking with the program and drying the track even though the humidity made things difficult. The first heat races rolled off at 8 p.m., a little late, but that's only two hours past the scheduled start time. At least they gave them heat races, but uh, Seekonk is probably in the position where they're like, screw it, we're in a commercial district. We can just fire this thing all night if we have to, unlike all the other tracks around here. Uh see here. 16 trucks took the green for their feature with Tom Scully. Oh, just Tom Scully the third. Oh, there's a third here. Yeah, there is. Oh. Apparently Seekonk is not immune to the thirds. We just can't get away from the thirds. And, e oh, this is a new name. Ethan, he oh boy, I better say this right. Heilborn? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> leading the field to green with Dave, I'm not coming back this year, darling. <laughs> <laughs> Making a start in the sport trucks. <laughs> darling would pull out to the lead early and just drive away. Mike Cavallaro would slide into second with his repaired primary truck. A spin in the back resulted in the first caution of the race just past halfway. On the ensuing restart, Darling would change lanes before the start line, clearing himself off the nose of Cavallaro. This restart would be called back, but the next one would be clean until the race would be slowed again for a single truck spin. The restart would result in Bobby Tripp washing up the track, spinning Cavallaro and collecting others. Darling would get a challenge from Rick Martin, the two pro stock guys, on the outside, but would not have enough. Darling would go on to win with Rick Martin in second, Jake Venata third. In the funniest interview I've heard in a while, Rick Martin, whose truck had been making, quote, popping sounds the entire race, pulled up to the flag stand, grabbed the microphone while still seated in his truck, and said, quote, My ignition got wet. I've held the ignition switch in the entire race. My finger is burning up. I gotta go, and drove off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gotta love Radical Rick. 
No, oh, man, that's funny. So, I mean, he had to hold it because if he didn't, it would shut the engine off. <laughs> yeah, he had to hold his ignition switch on the whole time, like in like hard into position to connect it. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Jesus. All right, so late models were next, and Richie Murray and Mark Jennison led the 12-car field to green. I guess they're not su- they're suffering just as much as Waterford is. Mm-hmm. Contact between Chase Belcher and Connor Souza would send Belcher around with a flat tire. On the restart, Jacob Burns would rocket from third to first and pull away by a straightaway. He would go on to win with Charlie Rose handily in second. The real battle was for third between Vinny Aragondo and Mark Jennison for third. Vinny would try to pass on the inside, but the outside proved to be king tonight. More on that later. And Jennison would take third from the high line. And I guarantee you that those late model numbers are down because of that playoff thing, because they definitely had more during the year. And I've seen a few more at Waterford lately. All right, Sportsman had 18 cars start the 25-lap feature. I feel like I write this every week, but Jimmy Pepe Silvia (laughs) led the field to green and would battle Steve Axon. The two ran side-by-side for many laps as it seemed that the low line did not have the grip to complete a pass. Ryan Lynham decided he was done watching the show and made a great move three wide to the bottom and had a pass set up perfectly until a caution for a last-place spin would negate all of his progress. It's always that guy. Lynham and Petty with an E would get... What's that? Oh, that's why he's last. Exactly. Lynham and Adam Petty with an E would get by Sylvia, and Petty would take the lead. Petty and Lynham would battle side-by-side for the last four laps, and Petty would hold off a last-lap crossover to top Lynham and Steve Axon. All right, 17 pro stocks ended the night, and Colby Fournier, who made his return last week after suffering a broken wrist in a crash, started the pole. Oh, we got another one, Jess. We got Bobby Pellin the third. God, there's so many of them. Honor. All that tells me is that parents aren't creative with naming their children. No, not at all. But they're very narcissistic. <laughs> all of the above. Uh, let's n- not reflect it on Bobby himself. Pellin would take the lead from the outside. A quick restart would result in Fournier taking the lead from second on the outside. Pellin would remain side by side but wouldn't complete the pass on the inside on the radio because, remember, uh, sh- Mr. Miner actually listens in. Oh, God, I just hit the wrong button here. He listens into the radio when he's at the track. That's why he heard that Dave Darling comment. Uh, Pellin said, quote, the person who restarts second on the last restart is going to win. All right. Another spin and restart saw Pellin take the lead from the outside and begin to pull away. It looked like Pellin's race to win as the field began to spread out until last place spun with 10 to go. <laughs> Great. Any guesses on what happened next? The final restart of the night saw Fournier nose away and clear Pellin from the outside. Pellin would put up a great fight, and the two battled side-by-side side the last five laps without making contact. Tom Scully thought about making it three wide in the final turn, but thought better of it as Fournier would grab his first win of the year with Pellin in second and Scully in third. Next week will be the final race of the first round, and the field of eight playoff drivers will be trimmed to six. 
With the outside being so dominant due to the new pavement, Seekonk could benefit from letting the leader choose their line next year. Although I like the choose rule for the entire field, I'll just settle for just the leader. I know Brent is anti-choose rule. Which, yes, I am. Thank you, by the way, Sean Miner, for the Seekonk report. And I do agree with you. A lot of racetracks around, especially on short tracks, give the leader the option. Uh, I know, I believe Stafford does it. I know Thompson did it. I think Waterford does it. Um, actually, I'm certain Waterford does it. So, yeah, I'll, I'm fine with that being the only choose rule because then you're starting to cause all sorts of lineup problems when you start doing other choose rule shit. Give it's the, a, give it's the a leader gimmick. the choice. Give the leader the choice. He's the leader. You know what I mean? The leader I, can. I will say, having raced... At, under in a series and at tracks that use the choose rule, I do enjoy it, especially at a place like Auburndale where everybody likes the bottom. Mm. So you have big risk if you go up top because there's a high likelihood you're just going to get trained all the way to the back. So anything you try and gain, you could lose more. So it, it makes you think more as a driver because... I tell my spotter, let me to make the decision because I don't want to put it on my spotter. Just have your spotter but tell it, you tell you who like how many down bottom and how many up top before you get there. That's all I have: two up top, one down bottom, three up top, two down stuff like that. That's all I want. Yeah. Let let me decide where to go because I can also see what cars are in what line. I don't know. I just like being a stubborn purist and say, you know, where you are is where you are. Line up. I think it has its place. Like. A weekly show or, or a big series race. I don't know. Yeah. Big series race, I have a hard time with let it. Let the leader, but... I just think, let the leader choose and be done with it. <laughs> anyway, just a purist, that's all. Uh, even that's not purist thinking. But let's go into the NASCAR Whalen Modified Tour Report with our tour correspondent, John Lozniak. Thank you again for covering this for us. They were up at the aforementioned Monadnock Speedway. Yep, the, I watched that too. Yep, I did not get a chance to again. I, which is why we have John. <laughs> yep, which is why yeah, he I comes. Which is why he comes on and bails us out every time. Yeah. All right. The tour was at Monadnock Speedway in New Hampshire for the Winchester Fair 150, which was also the final race for the Granite State Cup, which is also one of those Josh Venata things. He has it's one of those sub championships within a championship. Yeah. Uh, we would see the return of the Baldwin 7NY driven by Doug Kobe since taking the last two races off due to Tommy's cancer treatments. Uh, Kobe came into the race leading the standings for the Cup, which had a bonus $5,000 put up by JDV Pro uh, Productions. Uh, the 51 would come back strong after last week's issues by winning his seventh pole of the year. 19 cars took the green. So... I guess even being in the New England area, it's tough to get cars for the tour again. Let's see. As the leaders came by to complete lap one, ninth place starter Jacob Perry running his family-owned 21 would catch his left front on the inside rumble strips. Yeah, their, their inside has, like, speed bumps, like actual full-on speed bumps to keep people from running down there. Yeah, definitely big, giant rumble strips. Not very comfortable. Yeah. Uh Off the bottom of turn four and cause him to slide up and catch the left rear of... Uh, Point, is, is he the point leader, Ryan yeah, Selk? Yeah, point leader, Ryan Selk got 
in uh, the spun out. 16. Silk would be turned sideways in front of the field, and the 21 of Perry would then climb the left nerf. He monster trucked him. And the left front of Silk. Yeah, he ended up monster trucking him. I saw a post on Facebook by Jacob, and he was very apologetic about it. He it was says, just a, it was just just a mistake. You it's know? Just, just a one racing of those shitty things that happens, and yeah, it, it mean, happens, and it's easy to do up there. Yeah, especially no, no when you're running deal, hard. You no, know? it's just it's just tough. Yeah. Oh well, you know, Ra- shit okay. happens while racing, and you know he you know? he owned it and said he just wished he didn't. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's, that's all. Yeah. The back ten cars were collected in the accident, blocking the entire front stretch. Silk would pit when they opened the pit road and the team rushed to make repairs and got back out without losing a lap. Yeah. They restarted on lap nine and the caution would come right back out for the 16 of Silk spinning in the middle of one and two due to a cut left rear tire. The thing wasn't really, I mean, they could only do so much to fix mm-hmm. that thing in time. Yeah. I mean, you got to hurry. He just, he just never really got back up there. It wasn't handling as good. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Second place, oh wait, we would finally get a restart on lap 15 and a long stretch of green flag laps. Second place starter, Austin Beers, would fall to seventh. With 57 laps to go, point leader Silk would go down a lap with a very ill-handling car. You should see, you should see the... <laughs> Justin Bonsignor, obviously, his car wasn't handling bad at all. Not at he all. He wouldn't... See what they would do to gain, to gain speed with the ill handling cars. A lot of them, especially if it was getting tight, uh, what they would do is that they would run over the rumble strips on the exit out of the corner Kick and over sideways. the paint. Yeah, so it kind of kicks the car sideways a little bit, and you know, able to crank down the front straightaway because they're always in a turn. But I mean, it helps the car turn better when you're down there. Justin Bonsignor, he was on the yellow line. Yeah. He never had to touch the rumble strip or go anywhere below it. It was perfect. Yeah, a lot of these New York guys are very accustomed to a very small short tracks. And unfortunately what that does yeah. is uh, you know, it why it, it, it helps helps it in the short term in the long run. He burned his rear tires off in the process, so it was pushing <laughs> and tight and right. loose coming off, you know. Yeah, temporary so. fixes are temporary. Yeah, it, it was all you could do with, with the damaged race car, so hmm. 25 to go. Beers would be up to fourth, pressuring the 7NY of Kobe for third. 64 of Beers would make a bonsai move to the bottom of Kobe into three, forcing Kobe up the track. I almost needed my Stuka soundboard again. Yeah, exactly. Because it was a dive bomb. Yeah. Kobe wasn't very happy, you can tell. He was pretty fucking pissed. He gave him a body slam down the front straight away (laughs) after that. (laughs) Yeah. uh, yeah, Why did he then take him out? Yeah, the two would make contact and both would break sideways momentarily. They both would drive through it, and Beers cleared Kobe off of two, set his sights on second place runner Sammy Ramu. With 10 to go, Beers would get to second. This race would be dominated by the Ken Massa Motorsports 51 of Justin Bonsignor, though, leading every lap. Oh, when he went by uh, Ronnie Silk for, to go a lap down, yeah, Ronnie Silk, he didn't make it overly hard. Yeah. He didn't make it overly easy, but he, he it was respectful, get out of the way kind of thing. And pretty much the entire rest of the field kind of was respectful, knew of the point situation, didn't want to do anybody dirty. It was it was pretty clean. Yeah, which is nice to see. It was refreshing. Uh, let's see. Justin would pick up his fifth career Mod Tour win at Minadnock and his fifth win of the season. 
Beers would come home second for yet another podium in a row. Uh, third would go to part-time racer Sam Ramu in his uh, family 06 car. Doug Colby would finish fifth and take home the Granite State Cup with the $5,000 bonus for him and his Tommy Baldwin racing team. Great for them with everything that Tommy's been dealing with right now. In victory lane, Justin Bonsignor would admit that he made a big mistake last week at Oswego. Uh, let's see. Current point leader Silk would finish 12th, two laps down, shaking up the points yet again. I believe Ronnie Silk is leading with 588, but Justin Bonsignor is now only one behind. Um, yeah. Is that true? Uh, this is an update. It's not quite updated yet? No, it okay. didn't update. So uh, he, uh, yeah, he's right, though. Yeah, Austin Beer's third. And they, uh, behind he closed up 31. on Silk, too. Yeah. So, yeah, being second, he it just made everybody tighter all right so. with four races left in the nascar Wheel and modified tour season next week the tour will be at the riverhead raceway on long island for the eddie partridge 256 with live infield pit stops the race was crazy last year with infield pitting on a quarter mile track i'm gonna have to catch that one yeah let's see all right Anybody have any more local news? I know Phil was talking about this thing, the Robert Huffman and Jake Crumb thing. Because we'd mentioned it earlier in the year when, uh, I forget what the hell her name is. I know Landon races, but what's the Lady Crumb? Oh, and Beth Scum, whatever her fucking name is. Crumb Bums. Yeah, when she drove around the racetrack under caution and drove into Landon Huffman. And a Beth mouthful of, never mind. <laughs> Kids. <laughs> At least part of it. Um there was an article uh listed by Matt Weaver from Racing America that said that Robert Huffman and Jake Crum have dropped their simple assault charges against each other, stemming from the May twentieth incident at Hickory. Crum believes NASCAR should reinstate him as a result. Challenges the Huffman side of the story. He lists the article below his post. But Landon Huffman then came out with a tweet that says, and I quote, The entire article from Crum is a lie. He put in a plea deal and dad dropped the criminal charges in exchange for a year-long restraining slash protected order or protection order. It wasn't worth our time to watch him get a small fine and community service. Crum had no case and completely lied in this article. He attacked Dad, who was uh, Robert Huffman. While he was still spotting, we have video evidence of Crum assaulting him. I've posted everything that happened. Jake Crum and his wife are the worst type of people. They falsify everything, and it's never their fault. If anyone believes what this crooked individual says, then I will be shocked. We don't need this type of problem in our racing community. I've seen all the videos, and I believe Landon's version of it a lot more because he does have evidence. See, people, if you present oh, the yeah. evidence, you have a stronger argument. There's something. There's a. There's an old saying that I live by, and it says, "Don't raise your voice. Improve your argument." So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true because it's like, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just going to do it harder. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to try to get better. I'm going to do it harder. Oh, man. No. That's what she said? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. 
that works. <laughs> Somebody commented. It could work. Yeah. Somebody commented and called uh, Crum an L7 weenie. <laughs> okay, squints. Yeah, okay. Calm down there, Sandlot. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Just go make love to your hot wife, Wendy Peppercorn. <laughs> they have nine kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Such a great movie. Oh, I love that. Anyway, all right. Jess. I have to ask the tough question. The tough question? What was better? Sandlot or League of Their Own? Sandlot. Sandlot. Wow, that was quick. <laughs> All fucking day Sandlot. I mean, I agree, but man, League of Their Own was really good. League of Their Own was really good, too, yeah. but goddamn, it, it was it was tearful. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Especially we'll when Betty's... What was better, Sandlot or the first Mighty Ducks? Sandlot. Ooh. The Mighty Ducks was predictable. Damn. You just it was a Disney movie. You knew they were gonna win. You knew he was gonna do the triple deke and they were gonna win. Well of win. course. You can't end a fucking movie. Think you imagine the kids watching that movie if the ducks had lost? It would have taught them a very important lesson in that things don't always go the way you want to in life and you gotta learn to live with it. Suicide rates would be through the roof. <laughs> That's I mean, let's fine. See. We have too many of them. Let's see. Stepdads, check. Gang of misfits, check. You know, the beast, the yeah. You didn't know what the beast was gonna do. That thing was a wild card. Yeah. Anyway, it ended the way it should have, except for Benny the Jet stealing home. That was campy. Let's move on. I got national news. Does anybody have any local stuff they want to talk about anymore, or are we just gonna say that's enough for today? Because we're probably already two hours Thank in. <laughs> Is that DW? That was. Oh, man, that's a new one. Awesome. I got to make it louder. Hey, I wonder if my epoxied board has uh, shit the bed or not. No, it's good. It's good going good. I've been, check- <laughs> awesome. I, I've been checking on it. You still can't see quite a bit. So. I can see out of one eye. Okay, I'm not giving you updates on my eyes anymore on the show. but You won't have any more songs, I promise. That's fine. All right, I'm going to go into national news because uh, I think at least two out of three are in playoffs and IndyCar finished their season, so... I'll just go through tr- uh, chronological order. Trucks at Kansas. All right. It was a relatively quiet race until 16 to go when uh, Mason Maggio, I think is his name, hit the wall and brought out a caution. Restart came with eight to go, and that lasted about a lap when Raja Karuth got turned into the infield and Tanner Grace spun into the outside wall under the flag stand. The final restart was definitely worth the price of admission, though, if anybody saw this. Uh as it was hectic between, and it was clean too, but between Christian Eckes, Zane Smith, Corey Heim, and a few others behind him, uh, all three traded the lead among the final two or along the final two laps. They were three wide at times, drafting each other, side drafting each other. Uh, but at the final lap, Eckes was able to use the draft from third place, pulled by both of his contenders going into turn three. Yeah, and that was a good race. I it mean, was it was a good race. It's nothing majorly noteworthy. Yeah, but it was still enjoyable. Like I said, the end was worth the price of admission. Yeah. You know, even all weekend, if you watched yeah. all three races, the ending of the truck race was phenomenal, and nobody got wrecked, which was even better. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that was the third win for this on the season by Christian Eckes, and I believe that also moved him through into the next round of the playoffs. 
You see, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with Dale Jr. I mean, we've talked about this before, Dale, obviously, but you know, yeah, it's it's so confusing with one with one part of uh, the NASCAR leagues or whatever in the playoffs, and then another part like Xfinity is not quite in them yet, and you know, they're all in different times of the playoffs, and yeah. it's so confusing. I, I had no, know, I, I just want to know where I have to be. I had no idea this was a cutoff race. For the trucks, because yeah. Matt Matt De Benedetto just missed the cutoff and he finished third. I guess that was it for him. He didn't advance, so I had no does, idea. Does Matt D stay in that truck the rest of the year no, now, he, or do they get the kid some seat time since he's out? No, his contract probably is for the races for this whole season. I believe he has a year contract. Yeah, it's the whole year. So unless they buy him out for two races, which I don't think they'll do. Who's replacing him in that truck anyway? Don't know yet. I think it's one of the Rackley War kids. Like the super late model kids? Yeah, the super and pro fucking snot-nosed pricks. I don't even know who they are, so. And I know Matt is taking another risk on himself trying to find another ride next year just by leaving his current one. And it's like, that's kind of ballsy. But I don't know if he actually was going to stick around in that. They were probably going to move on with somebody else anyway. But that's not That's the... just arrogance to me. Like... <laughs> At this point, you've done this now three times in your career, and now you're just regressing. You're not doing anything positive with it. Maybe he has something lined up, though. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see if he ends up in NASCAR at all next year. Who knows? It might be Frankie Muniz for all we know. I have no idea. Could be Jesse Love. It could yeah, be not interested. Noah Gregson for a comeback. I Who doubt the fuck it. knows? I highly doubt Gregson. I would I would expect to see Gregson back in Xfinity next year. Uh, let's see. Speaking of which, why don't we go to the Xfinity race that was at Kansas? Let's see. You didn't even make it a lap before contact between Nick Lights, who I don't even know who that is, and Anthony Alfredo sent Lights into the wall. Let's see. Cole Custer caught a gigantic piece of debris, like a tire carcass. And it like shredded his nose and sh- and like stopped his right front wheel for God's sakes. Shrapnel would be kind of a a player in this game. It was, yeah. And it just shot him into the wall. So that pretty much ended his day for the most part. I think he continued, but yeah. it was not good. Lap ninety eight or something noteworthy. Uh, Sammy Smith he kind of dumped the gas when he got squeezed three <laughs> wide. Yeah, he kind of he got out of it because he was getting squeezed three wide by, uh, I think Junior Motorsports teammates or somebody on was the, it wasn't it wasn't it uh, uh, Sheldon? Oh yes, it was Sheldon. It was Sheldon. Yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it does look like Austin Powers' love child. And <laughs> what did he say on the radio? I didn't come up. Dude, you went up the track six to eight feet. Yeah, he did. He did move up pretty bad. Uh, he you also, have no spatial awareness. What the, I want to like this guy so much. And he, yeah, he but dumped, he's he just fast, but he, he has no no uh, awareness. Sen- oh, self awareness. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, he dumped the throttle, and Josh Barry had like nowhere to go, and kind of punted him, and. Um, that sent him into Justin Allgaier and sent them two spinning. Allgaier wrecked. Sammy Smith got squeezed into the wall by Allgaier, junked his car really bad. Brandon Jones had to spin to avoid. And I'd heard that this was the seventh race in a row 
that Sammy Smith has been involved in an incident. That's not good. Not good. I mean, you see those kinds of statistics on videos where people say NASCAR busts this person. Well, it's number one, his rookie year. Number two, this one really wasn't his fault. Well, I mean, he did dump the throttle. He was next to Sheldon Creed. Yeah, Creed's kind of uh, a little lost out there at times, too. He was next to Sheldon Creed. To be fair, Sheldon can get lost on his own out there as well. Uh, So, I mean, this race after that was kind of a stinker. Uh, John John Hunter Nemechek stunk the show up. I think he won both stages and the race. He's also the winner of the Making Laughs podcast for most punchable face. And most boring person on (laughs) earth. Did you hear him come across the line? He just goes, hey, thanks, guys. That was great. Well, I mean, I was at like, this wow, point, that's amazing. Well, at this point, you know what? Act like you've won it already. Yeah. You've won a race already. Act like you've won before, which is fine. I don't Come mind on, that Jimmy at all. Johnson won, what, 84 races, and he was stoked every time he did. You know, I appreciate excitement. Excitement means that you're happy to be there and you achieved what you wanted to. When you don't, it makes it sound boring that anybody could do it. All right, uh, let's see. Austin Hill won the regular season championship, and Parker Kligerman, after his troubles last week, was able to race his way into the Xfinity playoffs. So good on Parker. Mm -hmm. And I believe he's going to be back in that car next year. So the big machine car. Yeah, uh, God, I forgot his owner's name, but he braced the Trans Am. Scott Borchetta. Yeah, Scott Borchetta, who I guess is recovering pretty well. Yeah, he got fucked up in a Trans Am accident. He got hurt pretty bad. He looks pretty good now. Yeah, he yeah looks I like guess he's, he's coming around pretty covered well. Covered pretty well from it. He was pretty badly injured. Yeah. Trans like, M series the, the, cut the video. They even, they even released it. They edited it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trans Am is cool. I don't care what anybody says. I think Trans Am should be at a much higher spotlight than it is. Anyway, like back in the 90s, it was almost bigger than NASCAR. Uh, let's see. IndyCar had their finale at Laguna Seca. My God, you would have thought this was an ARCA race. <laughs> Holy crap. This track, by it, it, the way. It's kind of like it's kind of like everything that they complained about all year long, which is <laughs> all into one race. They just got it all out of the way at once. It's it just, was horrible. Now, Laguna Seca is an awesome racetrack. And well, they it's just it's a legendary track. And they just freshly repaved all of it. So it has a fresh repave on the track. I'm glad they invested in that and in the future of the facility. Even the course. I think they also widened some of the runoff areas, which I don't know how I feel about. That's fine with me because that means they're going to try to expand and bring different series in because it's going to have a different FIA rating. Probably not Formula One, but I'm glad to see longer runoff areas. I would like to see NASCAR there. That would be fun. That'd be fun seeing launch off the corkscrew. Oh, oh yeah. my fucking god. Yeah. Get a stuck throttle going into that? Yeah. I, yeah, well somebody did and they died. Yeah, I was searching car. for his name yeah. and I forgot it. I forgot it was a long time ago. It was like two thousand three or yeah. something. I forgot his name. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I uh, used to know it. But anyway, yeah, fresh repave. Let's see. First lap, about six cars were involved in a turn one dust up with an immediate yellow. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, uh, yeah, it looked like Will Power got a little bit loose, went on the Monadnock rumble strips there, and mm-hmm. got, got loose and got up into somebody and then 
all hell broke loose behind him. Yeah, collect plus half the field jumped to start anyway. I mean, oh yeah, Colton like, heard of it was picked like up like four ten or five spots. wide. And yeah, they all raced down into the first turn just to get killed. <laughs> yeah, it. exactly. It was like a rolling Formula One start. Great. Yeah, wonderful. I believe. Um, what the hell's his name there? Uh, Legacy racer, hot wife. Graham Rahal? Yeah, he was involved. Yeah, well, yeah, he was involved. Dixon was involved. Uh, uh, McLaughlin was involved. Uh, shitload of people. <laughs> um, I am sorry. I'm looking something up. Oh, Gonzalo Rodriguez. There's his name. Ah, uh, yes, that's him. Sorry, I had. To, I it was it was really you. it was bugging the shit out of me. That's the guy who died in the corkscrew. That was a sickening crash too. You hear the crack of when he hits the wall and it just flips nose over the tire barrier and into the trees didn't hit him but whatever all right like i said this was like a nascar race with cars making contact seemingly every single turn uh lap 11 after being involved in the first turn incident joseph newgarden spun and nosed into the tire wall i believe that was off turn four which is that kink under the bridge uh, he had to get restarted. Lap twenty nine. Marcus Erickson, Felix. I'm I'm probably skipping some. That's but, okay. I mean, there were so many. I, I mean, there's there's pitting, there's strategy, there's taking off tires. It's I'm skipping. You gotta a lot. you gotta get to the meat and potatoes, which is fine. What you're doing, that's yeah, good. I have to skip a lot of this race, and you'll get to why in a minute. Marcus Erickson and Felix Rosenquist, lap twenty nine. They make contact. Both spun in turn one. Restart lap 36, didn't even make it to the main straight as Peterson got turned and stalled. Ferrucci went for an off-road excursion past the bridge, the start-finish line. I don't know where the hell he was going, but he got tagged by somebody and managed to save it somehow. No idea. Let's see. Malukas and DeFrancesco. Yeah, well, he got nerfed by uh, uh, yeah, he did. willpower. He got, he got hooked by somebody and barely held on to yeah. it. Ferrucci's uh, had a series of really impressive saves this year, too. Yeah, he has. It's been impressive. But also, uh, he puts himself in shitty situations to have to make those saves. So. I mean, that's also true. Well, that's what a douche does. Yeah. Uh, Malukas and DeFrancesco went off on lap 58 right as pit stops were happening, flipping pit strategy for a bunch of drivers. I think Potato Award made it to pit road before the yellow flew, but race leader Pelot had already gone by, so that screwed his strategy, took him from the lead. That's right. Yeah, it worked out really good for Potato. Yep. Uh, Blomquist and Ferrucci got damaged as the race restarted. Again, not making it to the main straight because they restart before the final turn for some reason. Let's see. Erickson and Armstrong got together on the next restart, and yet again, they wouldn't make it to the main straight before caution flew again. So they just could not restart at all. Uh, they'd make it two more laps. It's like an SK modified race out there. <laughs> Under a full moon. Or SK light race at Stafford. Yeah. They would make it a full two laps this time before Castroneves and Herta got together in turn three, sending Herta into the dirt. There were so many cautions in this race, they had to stop and refuel the damn pace car. That's not a joke. That's embarrassing. That's not a joke. There's video of them doing this. <laughs> Where did they get the fuel? They all run on ethanol. <laughs> Somebody had to go get a five-gallon jug with the, the straw on the end of it, and they poured it into the Honda Pace car and got it going again. Take some like, out of the tow this, truck. This is where the problem is going to come with uh, electric cars, is all of a sudden they're just going to all fucking run out of battery and stop on the fucking track. 
And then well, that's, what? Well, then you got to tow them all back. <laughs> well, the E-Series, they stop. Well, they what if the tow to... truck runs out of power to tow yeah, them right. all back? The E-Series, they have to actually stop halfway through the race and change Switch cars. cars, yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> I don't That's know if the they even do that thing anymore, I've ever heard of. <laughs> it's so they, silly. They used to. Ridiculous. I don't I don't know if they do it anymore, but they used to. They used to make a pit stop where they'd fly in, jump out, jump in their second car, belt in and take off like Lamont style, I thought. Yes. <laughs> I'm like you have to be fucking kidding me. <sighs> anyway. Scott Dixon, let's just fast forward this thing cuz it's way too long. Go ahead. Scott Dixon would overcome a rough race, and he would win the IndyCar finale on the season. I think it was his third win of the year. Uh, I'm not too keen. How many is that I total? I think it's his second. Or oh, it might yeah. be second. I'm not sure. But but it's his 56th win. He's wow. 11 behind A.J. Foyt's record. That's combining cart? Uh, technically, I don't know. Because technically they combine the series. So I don't That's know. probably combining his USAC and cart wins. Cool. I hope so because AJ was a USAC guy. Yeah, he was that's a true. loyal USAC guy. Yeah, it was. So, boy, where did USAC go? Anyway, oh, sprint car racing. All right, let's move on to the Cup Series at Kansas. All right, lap four, Farton Truex lost a right rear tire and slapped the turn three wall hard, ending his day. And there was a lot of controversy from the to- about people about the tow trucks and stuff. They're like. Oh, but they were supposed to tow him back to the pit. They tow him back to the to the uh, garage area. That means he's out. And I'm like, bro, did you see the right front hanging off of the car? He was done anyway. Okay? He was done. He was done. Then come to find out, oh, yeah, he crashed. Or when he crashed, it broke the A-frame in it. We seem to have yeah. a lot of right rear tire it's failures done. this race. There was a ton of tire failures. And did I don't know what they were doing. But. Probably that low air pressure shit. Yeah, apparently run. Truex ran something over, though. There's so. probably some more shrapnel from whatever before. Yeah, I don't think they got they the track clean really of cleaned track. off. But, all right, lap 65, let's fast forward a bit. Austin Dillon snapped loose, chased it into the fence off of turn two. Meanwhile, behind him, William Byron got loose, spun off of turn two. Byron didn't lose a tire, but he also continued. So, Lap 108, every... Twitter feed in the world gained about double the comments because oh, God. Bubba Wallace had a right rear go down in turn two when he was in second place. So that was unfortunate. That's a good run gone bad. And again, if I see an article written about him on the internet, I just do not click on the comments anymore. It's just not worth my time. Well, you can't or else you're just going to screw gonna, your algorithm up. Yeah, you're going to drown. Drowning idiots. All right. Let's fast forward a little bit more to eight to go. Chris Busher would lose a right rear and catch the turn two wall. Caution would fly, setting up a green white checker finish. I don't believe it was overtime, though. I think it was just two to go, basically. But Tyler Reddick would take advantage of track position and four tires because a few guys, I think one guy stayed out. Two guys, or two or three guys took two tires. I think Reddick was the first one on four tires, and man, he just blasted his way to the front. And he would take down the win, sending his team to the round of 12. All right. Any final? Oh, by the way, I think of the last four races there, three of them 
have had the 45 car either win or finish on podium? I can't remember what it is. Um, Martin Truex is the co-number one seed, and he is not in the top 12. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he won the regular season championship. Yes. And this dropped him literally out of the cut line after one event, right? Right. <laughs> wow. Because he finished dead last. He was the first car out. So, And they're going to end at this round at a racetrack where he's never won. Which is Bristol. Bristol. But if he keeps all the wheels on it, and uh, other people have problems because a lot of people had issues. You know, a Everybody. lot of contenders have had issues. So, I mean, I mean, look at Busher. He was in you great got Martin Truex, Bubba Wallace, Ricky Stenhouse, and Michael McDowell are on the outside looking in. Kevin Harvick is on the bubble in 12. Yeah. Joe Logano and Christopher Bell and Chris Busher are not far behind. Busher oh, could shit. have had a worse day, but he did salvage. I don't even know if he went a lap down after he had that tire issue. We'll see. Yeah, whatever. We'll see. Going to be a shit show. I hope so. You know, I don't like Bristol anymore because now it's just a top-friendly racetrack instead of having to run the bottom and root guys out of the way. It's just not the same. I don't like top-happy Well, Bristol. that was the original was when it was – well, it doesn't matter if it's original or not. I don't like it. <laughs> I like the so, bottom. I mean, they used to run the top back in you know the seventies and whatnot, and then it then when they went concrete, then it, the line moved down to the bottom. I find racetracks that are top friendly, like the top lane is the lane, to be pretty boring because if you can't build a run on the bottom, you can't pass. It's impossible to pass. Like look at the new Atlanta. It's you shitty. can't pass. It's shitty. Bristol, you can't pass unless you dive bomb the hell out of somebody and drive them straight up the racetrack. Yeah, you have to drive them into Kentucky. Right, or whatever the next state is. Well, I think Bristol's a twin city. It is. So I just forget which one it is. It's <laughs> Tennessee and Kentucky. I, I don't usually blame the racetrack, but they ruined that track. Yeah, they did. Bristol was fine, and then they ruined it. And it's been kind of shit with every car since. So that's just my opinion, though. Anyway, so yeah, they're all going to. Br I think they're all going to Bristol, right? All three divisions. Yes. Oh, I don't know. I believe. Yeah, we'll see. I don't even pay attention. I'm pretty sure they are. Let's see, Food City. Yep, that's Bristol. Trucks. Because I know Junior's racing the Xfinity that's Bristol. race. Yeah, all three of them are going to be there. So yeah, Trucks Xfinity Cup, and uh, IndyCar's done. Polo won the title. Dixon won the last race. So. And we haven't mentioned Formula One on here in a long time, but that's not even worth watching at this point because one guy wins. So <laughs> it was worse now than when, um, what's his face? Schumacher. Him. And then Hamilton. Yes. It's worse now than when those two were winning everything. It really is. It's well, just, it's just as bad. It's, <laughs> I think it's genuinely worse because even when Hamilton was winning everything, there were other teams that could squeak some out. Now nobody can. Boring. Anyway, I am out of notes. Does anybody have any parting thoughts? We just went over two hours, Brent. Short hey, show. Hey, short two-hour show. No two I'm just sitting here laughing at the fact that Aaron Rodgers just went down with what is likely a season-ending injury of the first fucking drive of the Jets season. Are you talking about <laughs> what, what's, what is this, snuggle ball? 
Yeah, snuggle NFL. Ball. Yes. Oh, it's a snuggle ball. Yeah. I just saw it come up and I'm laughing my ass. Did he off get now. hugged too hard? Yes, he did. Yes. His I body got exploded by some big Possibly Achilles. Oh. They hugged his Achilles. It's a weird place to hug. <laughs> Should I mention the Deshaun Watson tweet right now while we're talking about football? Oh Lord. Okay. Who the fuck is he? He's a quarterback for uh, Cleveland now. He's a rapist. Uh, his, Who isn't a rapist in the NFL? It's the National Felon <laughs> League. Of course they are. Have you ever heard crime in sports? Anyway. I have no idea who these people are. Desha- I don't watch as Jesse football. goes to get the boy, I will mention this very interesting statistic that I, I don't I don't know if it's true or not, but Deshaun Watson starts Sunday makes history as the AFC North marks 14 consecutive years of having a starting quarterback who has served an NFL-mandated suspension for sexual assault, which I thought was disturbing. 14 years? 14, apparently. <sighs> That's a hell of a streak. Yeah. Gotta love it. We'll see if it's true or not. We'll see. Oh, that didn't look good. They need some more domestic violence PSAs, Brent. I saw Aaron Rodgers' leg pop there. That would look pretty bad. Anyway, all right, you can find this podcast on every major podcasting platform. You can find us on Instagram at makinglapspodcast, facebook.com slash makinglapspodcast. If you want to send us some feedback, feel free to email us at makinglapspodcast at gmail.com or have your voice heard over at anchor.fm slash makinglaps. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at BrentGleason01. You can find me over at YouTube at youtube.com slash BrentGleason. I'm currently working on another video. It's been a little bit too hot, and I've been recovering for a little bit too long. So I got a new one coming out soon. You can find Phil at... At PJ's Racing on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And you can find Jesse... On vacation. On vacation this week. You can, you can find me being sick. Sweet. All right, boy, how do we end the show? And please, for the love of God, do it right. You don't have any choice but to. Keep the nurse head down, stay friends. Thank you for listening. All right. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate it.